What do blue aliens and a painting by Marcel Duchamp have in common? During the filming of James Cameron's Avatar, a science fiction extravaganza about a race of creatures on a moon called Pandora, actors were put in special black suits attached with brightly coloured markers, short yellow and green strips and pink spheres. The actors, surrounded by cameras, would run, jump and tumble as the cameras recorded the motions of all the markers. The footage was fed into a computer which then created real-time moving skeletons of the actors. From that analysis of movement, the skeletons would provide the basis for a cast of computer-generated aliens. In 1912, at Galerie del Mau in Barcelona, a painting was exhibited under the title Nude Descending a Staircase. The painting by the artist Marcel Duchamp was an abstract flurry of ochres and browns, vaguely delineated circles and cylinders, rectangles, black lines and undecided shapes that overlapped, intersected and obscured one another. There is, looking at the painting now, remarkably, a sense of movement to it. The cascade of shapes feels as if it starts from the top left corner and moves down to the bottom right. One reason for this reading of the image is, of course, the title of the piece, which the viewer applies retrospectively to the images to help understand the piece. But another reason is that the shapes at the top left of the picture are opaque, as if they have faded, as if they are the afterglow of the immediate past, and the shapes at the bottom right of the picture possess the solidity of the here and now. The painting possesses the blur of movement, the traces of limbs swinging, the sense of a figure descending a staircase. It is a striking, much admired, much ridiculed painting, futurist, cubist, and influenced by early photography motion studies. The origins and influence behind Aliens from the Moon Pandora and the iconic 20th century painting by Marcel Duchamp can both be traced back to the chronophotographic work of a French scientist who, as Le Prince in New York was starting his work on motion cameras, had already captured motion. The scientist was Étienne-Jules Marais. The Shadow Traps, Episode 26 The Man in Black and the Silly from Posilippo. Edward Mybridge was not the only person to confirm that a horse's feet were, at certain points, all off the ground at the same time when running. In a series of physiological studies, the French scientist Etienne Jules Marais 
demonstrated the same and published his findings in the book Animal Mechanism, published in France in 1873. But Murray had used a different method to Mybridge. Born in the French town of Baume in 1830, Murray, at the age of 19, went to Paris to study medicine. He became interested in physiology, the study of the functions and mechanisms of living things, in the early 1870s, and he devised a range of pneumatic and mechanical devices to record the movement of horses. More specifically, he used pressure sensors to record hoofbeats, the timing, spacing and order of the steps of horses walking, trotting and galloping. These pressure sensors produced markings on smoked paper that had been placed around a rotating drum. Analysing these marks allowed Marais to calculate the timing, spacing and the sequence of the horse's steps. And that was how Etienne Jules Marais confirmed that at a certain point while galloping, a horse does have all four feet off the ground at the same time. In 1873, Marais' animal mechanism was published in France and in Britain the following year. It included motion studies of humans, insects and birds as well as horses. According to Edward Mybridge, the millionaire railroad baron and passionate trainer and breeder of racehorses Leyland Stanford was inspired by the book to attempt his own experiments regarding horses' hooves, resulting in his patronage of Edward Mybridge in order to achieve this photographically. In 1878, the science magazine La Nature carried a piece on Mybridge's sequence photographs of horses in motion. Marais read the article and was inspired to turn to photography to help him with his work. And I love the circularity of this. Marais inspiring Stanford, who hired Mybridge, who inspired Marais. Marais engineered a meeting with Mybridge and in 1881, during a visit to France, Mybridge was a guest at the house of the French scientist. Mybridge had now brought with him some sequences of birds in flight which Marais had requested, as he had had his own problems capturing birds in flight. Marais was a little disappointed with the pictures themselves, but he adapted the process that captured them, and so this marks the point at which he turned in earnest towards the development of photographic techniques to aid his own motion studies. In the winter of 1881, in Naples, which he visited every year, Marais combined the ideas behind Mybridge's work with the ideas behind the work of French scientist Pierre-Jules César Janssen. We've met Janssen several times already. We've seen him flying past us overhead, escaping the siege of Paris in 1870 by hot air balloon, just so that he can see a solar eclipse in Algeria. And we also know about his revolving metal plate camera used to capture the transit of Venus. But let's revisit that story.
The transit of Venus is the crossing of the planet Venus directly between us and the Sun, during which time we can observe Venus as a small black disk. The transit of Venus occurs once, then again after eight years, and then nothing for over a century. And it was so important to astronomers who worked out that by observing it from different parts of the globe, they could collate all the information to help them work out the distance from the Earth to the Sun. But the transit was a rare occurrence. 1639 was the first time that it was accurately predicted. And so, over a century later, in anticipation of the next transits in 1761 and 1769, hundreds of astronomers from at least eight different countries travelled at great risk to themselves to stations across the globe, from St Helena in the South Atlantic, to Tobolsk in Siberia, to the Ile de France off the coast of Africa. Even Captain James Cook, in his legendary expedition aboard the HMS Endeavour, was involved. Storms had raged, ships had been attacked, astronomers had been caught up in wars, been accused of witchcraft by suspicious locals, had been lost and left adrift or rerouted thousands of miles in their quests to take readings of the transit. And another century later, in 1874, the astronomers set to it again to refine their calculations. Incidentally, I wonder how much Louis Le Prince knew about this. On the 17th of November 1874, the Leeds Philosophical and Literary Society had hosted a lecture on The Approaching Transit of Venus by A. W. Huggins. Would this have been of interest to Le Prince? And would he have known that this time the scientists had to aid them in their analyses and their record keeping a new technological process, photography? Janssen was determined to record the transit of Venus as accurately as possible, and his work on an astronomical revolver camera was done to overcome a very specific challenge. It was very difficult to predict the exact moment when the planet Venus can first be seen crossing the Sun, the moment known as the external contact at ingress. A conventional still camera only really gave you one chance to get it right. But Janssen had designed a machine that would take several photographs, one after the other, at intervals of one and a half seconds. This would give him several chances to capture the external contact, and also the continued progress of Venus across the Sun. And so, when Janssen sailed to Japan to observe the transit in 1874, he took with him this revolver camera, fitted with a round daguerreotype plate, which was rotated by clockwork. And so a series of images could be exposed around the edges of the plate. Now, Janssen knew what we know from previous episodes, which is that the sensitised plate needed to turn intermittently. Each time a frame moved into position behind the lens, it had to be stopped momentarily just long enough for it to be exposed. Janssen achieved intermittent movement 
through a variation on a mechanism that became known as the Maltese Cross. We've described this before, but let's do it again because it's an important piece of technology. So, the Maltese Cross mechanism. Imagine the Maltese Cross shape lying flat just above and next to a disc that is also lying flat. This disc is the drive wheel. And the drive wheel has a pin on the edge of it, so there's something now sticking up out of it. And as the drive wheel is turned, the pin, of course, goes around and around. And as it does so, it catches in the gaps between the spokes of the Maltese cross next to it, pushing it forwards just a little bit until the pin slips out and keeps turning. And then on its next turn, it catches again and pushes forwards just a little etc etc so that each smooth revolution of the drive wheel the Maltese cross next to it is turned not smoothly but just a little bit intermittently stop go stop go and you can see this demonstrated quite easily online the Maltese cross is a significant design because it provided the key to the fast intermittent movement of film and that helped turn still photography into motion picture photography. So Janssen had an intermittently revolving photographic plate on which images could be captured at the rate of 48 exposures in 72 seconds. That's a picture every one and a half seconds. Incidentally, Janssen wasn't the only scientist to take a sequence of photographs of the transit. His revolver camera had been used as a basis for a design for several cameras made in Britain that became known simply as Janssen's or Janssen slides, and which ended up capturing the transit from locations as far afield as India and Australia. Staggeringly, we don't know where any of these hundreds of images are now. There is a sequence called Passage of Venus which can be seen online quite easily and which IMDB has down as the first ever film. Yet this isn't actually of the transit. It was a test sequence made up to help train camera operators in anticipation of the real thing. The actual whereabouts of the sequences of the transit constitute yet another mysterious disappearance in the story of film. Janssen's basic principle of exposing onto a slowly revolving sensitized metal disc was a hugely important one because it gave to the world a single machine that took a sequence of successive images there had been other cruder devices, such as the pistol graph, which took four successive images, but really nothing that compared to Janssen's 48 images in 72 seconds. But even this speed was painfully slow, far too slow to capture something like human movement. Two years after the transit, in April 1876, Janssen gave a lecture to the Académie des Sciences in Paris in which he suggested that his apparatus might be used in the study of physiological movement. 
and within a couple of years of that, photographic technology had caught up with this idea. Commercial gelatin dry plates allowed even faster exposure times and opened up new worlds of possibility for pioneers like Murray. And it was Janssen's design, combined with the newer photographic plates on which Murray based his own device. His creation, which he referred to as a photographic gun, was actually basically a shotgun. The barrel of the gun now acted as the lens, and behind that, where there might have been a chamber full of bullets, there was instead a large cylinder in which, as Marais described, is a train of clockwork. When the trigger is pressed, the train of clockwork is set in motion. A central axis turning 12 times a second operates all the parts in the apparatus. There is first an opaque metal disc perforated with a narrow window. This disc forms a shutter and only lets through light from the lens 12 times a second. Behind this first disc, another turns freely on the same shaft, carrying 12 windows behind which the circular or octagonal plate is fixed. This perforated disc turns intermittently, stopping 12 times a second in line with the rays of light entering the instrument. A cam on the shaft produces this intermittent rotation. While Janssen had captured the slow-changing stages of an eclipse, Marais took advantage of subsequent advances in shutter speeds and exposure times and developed a device that enabled 12 images to be exposed on one circular glass plate. To begin with, Marais' images were all put onto a single still print, a beautiful single image that could be looked at and analysed. Marais was trying not to recreate motion to begin with, but to freeze it, dissect it, analyse it. On the 3rd of February 1882, he wrote to his mother, I have a photographic gun, which kills nothing. In Naples, the sight of the French scientist going out and taking aim at animals on his photo safaris earned him the nickname Lo Schemo de Posilippo, the silly from Posilippo, from the locals. In August 1882, Marais received a government grant for a physiological station for the further analysis of animal locomotion. The Paris Municipal Council provided some land on which Marais' new workplace would be built. Now he had a station, Marais built a new camera setup. It was based around a small wooden hut-like contraption into which had been fitted a plate camera that had a rotating shutter 1.3 metres in diameter. Now, we know all about rotating shutters now. There were numerous slots around the edges. When the slots were aligned with a lens, light was allowed in to expose the sensitised plate for an instant. And note again that the images were all exposed onto a single plate. This is an interesting illustration of Marais' intentions for his images at this point. They weren't going to be projected back like that. They couldn't be on a single plate. He was thinking in frozen images. Also, this single plate, this single composite image, would have an unintended but sublime aesthetic because 
any subject moving slowly enough would be captured on the same plate in a series of overlapping images. The exposure time on this new plate was now one thousandth of a second, although the rotating shutter moved fast enough to capture ten images a second. A black background had been set up to help contrast the brightly lit subject passing in front of it, and the little photographic hut, this photographic cabin, was fitted with wheels so that it could be moved into position easily, depending on the distance required for the subject. Human subjects were often dressed in white to achieve greater contrast still with a black background, and therefore the greater visibility. Sometimes the human subjects were dressed all in black, except for thin reflective strips fixed to go down the limbs and body, so that the camera caught stylized representations of the subject in movement. Matchstick men that walked. And ran and jumped as if they were in a painting by Marcel Duchamp, or were aliens from the moon Pandora. Georges Demeny, Marais' chief assistant, usually played the part of the man in black. Demeny had been a pioneer of French physical education, and it seems that this interest was what led him to offer his services to Marais in 1880 in order to discover. More about the physiological problems facing gymnasts. Demeny became Barre's chief assistant and head of the laboratory at the physiological station. His work with Barre's cameras, both behind and in front of them, would lead to an interest in his own cameras and in the potential of chronophotography in the teaching of the deaf. Now this is all some way off in the future for us here in the mid 1880s, but it's a fascinating and Overlooked parallel, I think, with Le Prince, because he was experimenting at the time at the New York Institute for the Deaf and Dumb, and he was offering to film teachers telling stories in sign language. And I'd like to just pause to appreciate how all these different projects and ideas were circling around the idea of film as we most commonly understand it today. Mybridge. Was using several separate still cameras in order to stop time and capture each separate moment that goes into a brief burst of movement, in order to examine, analyze, and dissect it. He wanted to look at each moment separately and simultaneously. If you can imagine such a thing, Janssen was trying to get several still images close together in time, simply because. He didn't know the exact moment when to press the shutter to capture the single moment of planetary ingress. This is basically the technique we now call bracketing, and we can do this on our mobile phones and on our digital cameras. These devices can now take several pictures with just one press of the button, so that we can choose the best shot later. Bracketing will even allow us to take a series of photographs at different settings with just one touch of the button. And here is Janssen bracketing his shots in 1874, and he's doing it to get the best single shot that he can. And now we have Marais combining different approaches to shoot several times in quick succession in order to get that sequence of images from which, for now. 
he does not require movement. And so, while Janssen, Maybridge and Marais, the great chronophotographers, have a collective interest in the movement of things, they freeze their images to see them better. Hold still, they say to time. Jules Etienne Marais fixed plate cameras were used from March 1883 through till what would be a significant year for our story, 1888. This means that while Marais was taking his images, publishing his work, being supported by the French government and celebrated by the international scientific community, Louis Le Prince was working more or less in secret in his spare moments in New York in a residential house and in borrowed rooms in a school for the deaf and dumb. While Marais produced images of movement that were clear and consistent and strange and beautiful, Le Prince was producing, well, it's not exactly clear what he was producing, is it? Perhaps that's what we will need to think about next. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Shadow Traps. If you'd like to learn more about this project or to support it in any way, please go to the Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash the shadow traps. Thank you very much for listening.